boys and girls. I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft. Uh, this is, uh, I think I, I say this probably one out of every like three shows, but this one is a long time coming. <laughs> been, been waiting for this moment. Uh, didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but now that I kind of get a little peek at what it's going to look like, it makes so much sense. And I'm so thrilled to be able to sit down and talk to Jason Brewer about Wandering Monsters Brewing Company. Um, uh, long time coming, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it feels good to be here officially. Uh, uh, at what point? Uh, well, I mean, let's let's start with a little little history. Uh, if you guys don't know, and I don't know that there's possibly anybody that listens to the show that does not know kind of your uh, history within Cincinnati craft beer. You uh, started out at Listerman, started out there basically kind of sweeping floors and just doing whatever you could possibly do to just be working in a brewery. Yep, that's right. That, about <laughs> about twelve years ago, uh, stocking shelves in the homebrew store and and sweeping and mopping the floor. But then also, I'm a big believer in doing your job and the job that you want on top of that. So I was doing all the social media for them. And, uh, the very soon after I was hired was the day the taproom law changed. So I got started, you know, trying to push the beer on the growler station, eventually opening the, the taproom bar and kind of running with it from there. And it, people, I don't know how many people were craft beer drinkers throughout that whole journey. Uh, but you know, when Listerman started brewing, it was just bombers of some okay beer. It's <laughs> a nice <laughs> which, way of putting it. <laughs> quickly, quickly transitioned into uh, something very different, and you had you know the uh, the triple digit stuff coming out with Kevin Moreland, and uh, then, then from there transitioned into kind of this this uh, hazy hype train of of chaos, as I like to call it. Obviously, the the pastry stouts and the barrel aged stouts and all that were kind of there the whole time, kind of. Um, with this backbone of, of everything, it was it was a really crazy kind of journey from a brewery to watch how you guys figured out what that place is. Um, you guys parted ways. We'll we'll put it at that. Yeah, <laughs> parted ways. Uh, how well, long ago was it? That was uh, May of 2021. It's just that we didn't our our growth paths didn't align that's a nice way to put it i mean it is it, it is it's that's what happened you know I, this is you know we're going to talk about this space and and where we are today and this is something more of what i had envisioned for the brand moving forward and then you know um dan just you know he's older more towards retirement age less risk averse i have a lot of risk within right. me to take so it's just we butt heads about that a lot and it just ended up being it's just better to part ways it, it kind of gives a good picture too of some of that uh the personality difference within listerman as a brand too and kind of how that uh maybe kind of sometimes struggles trying to balance out what they are but that's that's a different podcast and uh this is one where so you, you said that this was kind of some kind of a vision that you already had of of these different kind of concepts of what a brewery is supposed to be in uh, now, <laughs> you know, versus what it maybe was 12 years ago. Um, talk about how that kind of how that idea developed for you and what, what that is. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been kind of a crazy journey in the past year and a half. You know, when, if you if I were given a brewery the day I left Listerman, you know, we're talking all pastry stouts, all hazy IPAs, all fruited Berliners. Uh, in cans, limited releases, and you know, space doesn't really matter. I want to have a tap room, um, but we can put a tap room anywhere, and people come to us. Right. Um, as my journey kind of evolved, because you know, brewery didn't happen right from day one. As I wrote my business plan and tried to secure funding, um, things just kind of evolved. I got to um, hang out with my year and a half year old a lot more, and and go to places that he liked to go and see how he interacted with spaces and and how um, people in those spaces interact. And um, got a really great opportunity from a place called Hoppin' Vines in Kenwood. They called me about uh, their assistant general manager position. And um, Steve Shomes, the owner there, called me to interview me. And I, I looked, I timed this, the first 22 minutes of the phone call, he talked about how he wanted to open a brewery. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. It was 22 minutes straight. And... Um, I was like, well, let's just, let's just do it together, you know? And he's like, okay, let's have you come on as AGM and we'll work in the background on getting the brewery together, finding a space and, and figuring that out. Uh, so started there in, in December of, of last year and the whole, the whole process, they were, 
uh, since two years ago, I guess, because we're now in 2023, December of 2021. And um, the whole time they were obsessed with this duck pen stuff. What is this duck pen? I was like, I don't even know what it is. Uh, the Hop and Vines was one of our biggest accounts, but I hate to say that, you know, with our, we had good a sales team that took care of events. So um, I never went um, as I've delivered some beer there, but I never right. went as a customer for any of our events. And um, they're just talking about it all the time. I'm like, this is why are you going to spend all of this money, take up all of this space? at a brewery for this. This is the dumbest thing ever. Well, that's, you know, because, you know, traditionally when you talk to, to people about, you know, restaurants or bars or things like everybody talks about, you know, it's just about how many seats you have and how fast you're turning those seats over and just, you know, just rolling people in and out. And like, it's, it's become something different now where people want to hang out somewhere and they, they, they need something that lets them hang out. And it uh, used to be food, used to be a big part of that, still is a big part of that. Um, but it's like, there's this other kind of thing now too. And yeah. We, we touched a bit of this off air, but you know, 10 years ago, it was good enough to open a brewery and you could make money. You could have a big staff and take care of your people. And, you know, that was great. Um, and then, you know, a bunch of breweries opened. And then, you know, about five years ago, it was like, oh, shoot, we need a kitchen for, right. with this brewery. And um, if you had to open a brewery without a kitchen, you know, you're kind of struggling a little bit, not seeing the successes that you had. So right. you're trying to figure out how to open a kitchen. And uh, I look I look kind of at that that era and I use Blank Slate as an example for way too many things in my life. But, you know, when you look at kind of how their short little journey was where it was like, okay, Okay, we're just we're opening a brewery. Doesn't matter where it is, we could be next to the shit plant, and it's okay. Nobody cares. Then it's like, oh crap, people are coming. They 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 want to hang out here and have a beer. We got to build a tap room. Then oh shit, we got to add a patio. Oh shit, we need a TV. They want to watch TV. Oh man, we got to add like it just these little things, just one after the other, kind of shows that evolution mm -hmm. in a really compact period of time with like very simple kind of examples of it. But it's gotten a lot crazier. Yeah, RIP blank slate. By the way, <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. So and now you know. The this, this started, you know, 2019, 2020, I was on this journey of what is the and? So food isn't enough for a brewery anymore. You need to have an and to really differentiate yourself. Sure, you make the best beer in the city, that's a differentiator. But, you know, let's just take a step back from that and just, you know, because there's a lot of people will say taste is differential, right? So let's just take making the best beer out. What like What is your and that's going to differentiate you from the, the guy down the street or from across town when someone's trying to decide where they want to go. And so I was on this big journey to find this and, and Hoppin' Vines and is the duck pen bowling. And I was like, this is, this isn't going to be mine. This is, <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's too expensive. It takes up too much space. And after a month there, my floor, my jaw, I've never been so wrong in my life. Uh, I'm happy to admit it. Uh, my jaw was just on the floor with the amount of people that came in, the joy that people get from coming in there to play and that the, um, people come there to play. Everything else is auxiliary. People right. come there to eat. The food's great. People come there to, to play duck pen and then eat the food and then drink the beer instead of, you know, my mind has always been, especially at Listerman, we didn't have a kitchen. We had one eventually, right? But, um, you know, it was always beer driven first and everything else follows. And this was just kind of the total opposite, you know, hanging out with Milo, seeing how kids interact with space combined with the way that um, Hop and Vines was operating. And it was just kind of like an aha moment. And that light bulb went off. Was that a hard thing to kind of as in your craft beer drinker mind to kind of come to terms with? Because I, I know a lot of geeks that, that I hear talking online kind of start to uh, they almost like they're mad that there's good food at breweries and there's mad that there's things happening. And it's like it becomes this kind of angry like, oh, we're just we're here for the beer, even if they aren't and they don't realize that. Right. Uh, it becomes like this this thing inside people's head. Was that was that hard for you to come to that realization? No, I or mean, especially you saw it. You saw it. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know, uh, being from Listerman and being that um, kind of the trendsetter of the market. We got so much shit. Am I allowed to say shit? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we got so much shit talked about us uh, every time we did a beer, every time. So, you, you know, we, we did our best to make it right. We're not, we weren't, weren't actively putting bad product out um, to the market to try to trick people out of their money. But it seems that there were some people that always thought that. And when I left Listerman, there's a lot of negative comments about things that, you know, I did or our team did when we were there. And um, so it's just one of those things where you kind of just got to block those out. Um and on top of, so that's, that's a lot of, that's been eight, 10 years of training on kind of, you know, there's, there are a lot of really great beer 
geeks and I like to think that I'm one of them, not on their level, but they're, they're great people, but there's just, you know, that vocal minority that makes, yeah. that you have to block out. And every, there's a vocal minority in literally any segment of whatever hobby or mainstream media, whatever you want. There's a vocal minority that just makes things less. Those, those old quilters online that are talking about the quilters that use some kind of machine for their quilting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> funny you mentioned quilting. Uh, someone sent me a screenshot of our first official haters of the brewery. It was some 70 year old woman uh, complaining that we didn't have fine dining with our duck pen bowling establishment. And I'm like, Hey, sorry, you're not a target market. B, the name has bowling in it. Like, I don't know how it's fine dining. You want to attach to the word bowling, but it just isn't going to happen so it's just you know fine-tuning those out um but then also just seeing how um and being more family focused you know i now have two two sons and it really puts and you you talk about a lot of time about how um in in perspective things get and you know i want to build a place for them to come like sure i'm a beer nerd heart heart we're going to have a private event space with barrels where beer nerds can geek out with the brewer and all that fun stuff but at the end of the day like i want to build a space where you know i want to come obviously but my family's more important where they want to come right and i just saw how milo um interacted with the duck pin and how i see kids and kids are just go crazy for and i was like this is a space i want to build them and, um, you know, naysayers be damned. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, in a different way for me, like there's, there are breweries where there, maybe there's like a, you know, video games or there's, uh, you know, Jenga with, you know, that my kids can sit and play with blocks on the floor, like stuff like that. Those are the places that they, to me, like, oh, can, can we go to this one? Like, mm-hmm. we don't want to go to the other place where I just have to sit at a table and color. I want to go to the places where there's things for me to do that make me feel like I'm having fun. I uh, obviously don't say it that way, but you know, like that's, that's what they're telling me. And like, I am I, surprised that more places haven't caught on to that a little bit better yet. Um, it's definitely uh, people are going to be watching this and kind of uh, uh, catch on pretty quickly that there's something more to it. Yeah, and, I think it's just life stages for, for people. And I just happen to be in the life stage where this is what I want to do. You know, if, if they're they're 15 to 20 years old, then they don't want anything to do with me. Right. Then I'm probably not. This isn't the brewery I'm building. Right. So it's just, I, it just it just depends on life stages and opportunity. Maybe not. Not if they're, if you've got like a, like a 15 year old or something and like dad can come sit here as a dad or mom can come sit at the bar and the kids can go sit in there and, and hang out with a couple of their friends with a, with a Coke and play duck pen bowling and feel like they're at their own spot and away from their pet. Like it kind of works for that too. It's there's, it, does. It, it, You're right. it, it works for a lot of things. Um, uh, so let's talk about the journey to get to this space then, because, um, it, you you talk about how that vision of what a brewery kind of shifted a little bit and there were like def- definite kind of uh, aha moments within that uh, journey after you did leave Listerman mm-hmm. to where you are today. Um, th- you were, you had the idea to start a brewery that whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, very, I'm not gonna say easily, but you could have landed on a space, found a couple people that are like, oh yeah, we, we want to own a brewery and just gone with it then and it wouldn't have looked like this talk about kind of how you ended up here and how this all came together and how it just kind of worked yeah so well spaces these days are are hard to come by in general um but we you know we moved to anderson in 2019 my wife and i and um didn't really um dive into the the anderson because we didn't have a a kid um so we were still hanging out with our friends going out in otr that sort of stuff um and once we had a kid and hanging out with our neighbors more and getting to know them better and trying to find stuff here there really wasn't anything to do around here you know there wasn't a a, there's not i don't want to take anything away from paradise or now big ash and mount carmel but if you look at the amount of people that are in anderson there's really there's a there's a void for a brewery to come in and service all of those people right. and just kind of serve as a gathering spot. So, um, and the, the biggest uh, takeaway for me is obviously it's 10 minute drive for me. So that's a, that's huge for uh, a commute that I'm going to be taking for the rest of my life. Um, so there was a couple factors on, on why Anderson, um, and there was just, there's just a void of, of family owned non-corporate stuff out here. I mean, it's Beachmont Avenue is great. There's, you can get whatever you want. Um, but the flip side of that coin is there's especially not, especially if it's a chicken sandwich, especially if it's a chicken sandwich, <laughs> I can, we can walk out the door, we can see three spots. Um, so just, just, uh, you know, I, I was kind of set, I've set on Anderson since like 2019. I've been set on this area for a while. Uh, but 
what the space was going to look like definitely ebbed and flowed uh, to where we are today. How do you take it? Because there are uh, several other breweries within a very short distance. You've got Mount Carmel is close. You've got uh, um, Happy Two. You have Paradise. You have Big Ash. Like you've got all. Even you know Deadlow isn't that far away. Like you've mm-hmm. got all of these places that are 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 very different from each other. How do you? How do you kind of uh, tap into that community a little bit, but then still differentiate yourself from kind of what they're doing? Is it is it just that taproom idea, the you know the duck pen bowling, or is it is it something different? I think it's kind of putting the brewery on the back burner and you know see that like i, I hear what you're saying but again as a craft beer like, i was, getting, just, I was getting ready to shakes. say it. i do <laughs> how do you think i feel uh, <laughs> i've been a you know beer nerd for 20 some odd years ran a brewery for 10 years and to hear those words come out of my mouth still kind of give me the heebie-jeebies but you know we're living in a, a different era of the of craft beer and um yes we will be a brewery yes we'll be making world-class beer but um, it's just today's day and age, this is not enough. Right. And so we got to focus on the other things. We're going to be a family gathering spot first. And then, um, you know, Hop and Vines really showed me um, the type of beers people want to drink too. You know, I was just, we're going to make New England IPAs and pastry salads. And it's like, yeah, you know, for the burbs, that's probably not going to work out for you very well. <laughs> uh, so, yes, we will make those beers, but, you know, it's not going to be anywhere near uh, what we were. Right. At back then so you know and fitting in the brewing community is pretty easy just being available for for helping and and whatnot so i'm i'm looking forward to to hanging out with these guys and being a part of of what's here and and helping each other out with the stuff that we need help with um Talk about the space a little bit before we dive into the the beer side. Sure. Um, uh, so uh, there used to be a bar called the Game. Uh, as it's you can on the mats, see, right? the, you can probably see it if you're on if you're watching any kind of video clip, and this part is there. You can see it on the wall. Uh, it's a terrible name for a bar, too, by the way. <laughs> so it's a it's a big space, like a really big space. And uh, talk about kind of what it's going to look like when people do come in here for the first time. Yes. Yeah, so it's I don't I hate saying it's going to be a space for everybody because you try to make a space for everybody and you kind of fail. Um, so I, I like to say that it's, it's going to be a space that has a bunch of different experiences. You can come here a bunch of times and just have a different experience. We talked about that a little bit last week with 50 West who, uh, kind of in a, in a bigger kind of compound sense has those different kinds of experiences, especially now with the brew pub. Um, I'll, I'll, if you are, you should probably subscribe to the show and you can listen to last week's episode too and listen to kind of how did they, I ever, did I ever no, listen I'm, to I'm, it? No, I'm telling other people uh, to listen to it. I listen to it. It's great. <laughs> Those guys over there are awesome. But it's that same idea of like trying to, like, you can't, you can't necessarily make one thing that works for everybody. But you kind of can if you take a space and, and, and create within that those different those different experiences that kind of give people what they're looking for. Yep. Uh, so you, you walk in the door into a really big room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How's it going to be split up? What's it? What are, what are people? What's it going to look like? So you walk in and it's going to be kind of the, the tap room area. So we'll have uh, beer garden tables and benches, some four tops with chairs with backs because my wife demanded chairs with backs. That's important. Uh, so they will be here um, and then have some bar, bar and bar seating. And then kind of off to the side of that along the um, front wall of the building closest to the parking lot, there'll be kind of two separate lounges. Um, so kind of leather chairs, each have their own TV can be rented out to private parties, um, in one group of like 10 or to combine them for a group of 20 to 30 and, but also kind of a hangout zone for parents without kids, um, to kind of chill us apart from, you know, the beer garden right. tap room experience. But I think we're going to put uh, some raspberry pies on the TV. So we have video games set up over there for kids to play that too. If it's not, uh, taken space. And then um, big patio off to the side. You can. That's. I think that's the one thing when you when you pull up to the space that you notice right away because uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a big patio tacked onto the side of the building, which a lot of a lot of again kind of going back to that other era of breweries. There was a time where people didn't think they needed an outdoor space for people to sit and drink their beer, and then all of a sudden they had to figure out how to make that happen when they realized that that's what people want now. There, big three giant garage doors, the big nice patio. There's like eight tables out there. I mean, it's it's 
it's great space. The space is so big. I often forget that we have a patio on the side of it. That's almost 12,000 square feet. Um, yeah. So outdoor patio on one side and then, uh, duck pen bowling will be, um, through the lounge into the duck pen bowling room in itself. Um, next to the duck pen bowling room will be an event space, rentable event space. Uh, we'll do our, our barrel age releases and stuff over there. Um, because that's going to be like our barrel storage room. So we're going to age a bunch of beer and barrels and they're all going to be done in the bar, uh, kind of functional, um, decoration in right. the event space. And, um, when we do collabs, we're going to bring the, have the brewery bring, kind of do like beer dinners, but like have split taps. So have the brewery bring in, you know, two, four, six, eight, rare beers from their brewery and we'll have it in the event space we'll you know mirror it two four six eight beers um and kind of do so we'll have kind of that'll be in its own little section so that's kind of like the beer are there going to be taps in the event space yes there'll be 16 taps over there Jeez. um and yeah so that'll be kind of like the beer nerd area where i hang out a whole lot when my family's not here um (laughs) And so that there'll be a space for that sort of stuff, you know, Saturday morning releases or whenever we do releases, that'll just kind of funnel in over there and just do everything over there. And then the brewery space is right next to there's a half wall separating the event space and the brewery space. So you kind of feel like you're in the barrel room and the brewery when you're in the event space. So, uh, talk about the brewery. Um, how, how big are you guys going Want a 10 barrel brewery to start, um, four 10 barrel fermenters and a five barrel fermenter. Uh, you guys are uh, still keeping uh, your head brewer secret. Uh, let some surprises slip out as, as construction kind of kicks in and people can kind of get a little excited about it. If anybody knows you, then you know you're not going to just snag some guy that doesn't know what he's doing, though, guy or girl that doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, I think people can probably be excited about what uh, is going to be coming out of here. <laughs> With that note, we have to take a quick break. We got to thank the show sponsor, which uh, you guys know it by now manscaped.com happy new year from our friends over at manscaped the ball has officially dropped but that doesn't mean you have to drop the ball on your balls in 2023 it's a lot of balls in one sentence it's a a lot of balls in one show uh whether you had a new year's kiss or not the leaders in below the waist grooming have you covered and your much needed resolution of bringing sexy back Join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with an exclusive offer. Just go to manscaped.com and use the code GNOME for 20% off, plus free shipping. Let's have a toast for a new year and a new you. You guys know how I feel about Manscaped at this point. I love these guys. I love the products. I do use the products. It's not all about shaving your balls. There's all kinds of other stuff on there. You can get the the body deodorant and the ultra premium body wash, 2-1 shampoo, all that stuff. There's plenty of things on the website. Just go there and check it out. Which, on that note, it's a great time to do just that, to jump on the website and check it out because you get 20% off and free shipping with the code GNOME at manscaped.com. It's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code GNOME. That's G-N-O-M-E. It's time to feel sexy and free for this 2023 with Manscaped. Back to the show. Um, talk about kind of, you said you're not going to, it's not going to be all, you know, hyped kind of stuff, but um, there will certainly has to be that here because of uh, who you are and what people are expecting from this place. Uh, are you guys get a package? Yeah. And honestly, those are the type of, you know, haze, I'm a haze boy. That's my fridge is 90% hazy, 10% lager. I mean, it's probably more, and that's probably like 70, 30 now, but still I drink New England IPAs all day, every day. Right. So that's, of course, we're going to have New England IPAs and New England double IPAs. Um, we are going to package. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to go in uh, 500 milliliter bottles to start. All right. And uh, a couple of reasons behind that. Um, you know, bottling line is 6 to 15K. Uh, canning line's 85 to 100K. Um, so we're going to see and see how that works out. And if it doesn't and people really reject it, um, you know, we'll still have it for barrel age releases. Right. So it's not going to be go to go to total waste. And also to kind of give like a, a, a single serve option for people to take home. You want to take two beers home instead of a four pack. Great. You got it. Right. Um, and I also love drinking out of 500 milliliter bottles. And then the, the last thing is that, um, you know, one day I was walking, I was at Jungle Gyms and I just sat back and look at the shelf. And what do you see on Jungle Gym shelf? 
Well, it used to it used to be flip. It used to be right. you know when somebody had cans, it it stood out with everything else, and then now it's not that way anymore. Yeah, and sorry, I said Jungle Gyms. This is actually at Cappy's, and Ben would probably kill me for confusing the two. Uh, <laughs> Same but, thing. <laughs> uh, but I'm just I, you know joke, you guys. go in and talk to Ben. <laughs> he'll talk to you for one thing for over three hours, and him and I are just having a few beers, having a great conversation. And I just look. He's got this beautiful wall of coolers, and I'm just looking at it. And I'm just like. Holy crap! What do you see? Tell me what you see when you it's, look at that wall of coolers. It's, it's, it's just a wall of cans. It's, it's a, all aluminum. It's, it's, it's a it's a wall though. It forms this like it kind of. It's really hard to now make a can that stands out against all of that because it just becomes this 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 wall of color. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you've got one bottle sitting in the middle, there's blank oh. space around. Do you know a bottle, what that one bottle is? Because that does exist. Um, no, it's from the New, New England area. Mm. You're gonna kill you're gonna I kick know, yourself. I know. Just tell me, Maine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And they're doing pretty well. Yeah. Well, their beer's also world class, so that helps. Right. Um, but yeah, I was looking, and that just my eyes just stopped right there. Yeah. And so you know, if I don't plan to distro, but if we do, uh, at least try to go out in bottles to see if we can have that same effect where people stop on us. Right. And they may not pick us up to to um, buy but at least they'll stop and look at what we're offering right which is more than you can say than you know especially now that everything is aluminum yeah it's it, it becomes it, it becomes so hard to to get somebody in a store to pick up a beer that they don't already know about like it's almost uh it, it used to be that you would go to the store and you're just grabbing random things that you've never tried before and i feel like the average consumer isn't doing that anymore they're they're, they're grabbing the stuff that they were just uh, you were at, they were at the brewery last week drinking the beer and now they're just in their you know local spot just grabbing it off the shelf like it's it's a it's a very different kind of game now than it used to be um game <laughs> <laughs> everything comes back to the game um what are some of the things that uh it, Aside from the activity side, the duck pin bowling, as far as a tap room or a brewery, what are some of the things that you've learned over kind of your history that you want to try to kind of incorporate into a place like this? Oh, man. How much time do we have? Um, I think we talked about the kitchen a lot and the importance of having food and, and timely food. And especially with where we are. Um, so I did a lot of searching for what kind of food that we're going to offer. Right. And um, I kept coming back to barbecue for a couple reasons. One, it's already made, um, which if you're in between basketball practices and two different schools, stop by here, grab something to eat. It's not going to take you that long to get it because we already have it prepared. Obviously, it's going to take you some time, but it's not. Right. You go to a normal restaurant, it's going to take longer. Um, and uh, two, the all the sides are, you know, fit every member of the family. You got mac and cheese. And, you know, green beans of your kids being nice that day. Uh, so never. <laughs> what I've learned is even, even the mac and cheese can be difficult. My yeah. kids love mac and cheese, but uh, I took them, uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but I took them up to Grainworks the other day and because uh, I was out with my, my five-year-old and, and I said, let's let's go grab something for dinner. Like, you like mac and cheese, right? And she's like, yeah. And I said, well, I know a place we can get some mac and cheese. Mama Bears is open in Grainworks there. I'm like, this is going to be great. Sat down, I got her some mac and cheese and she looked at it and she said, dad, that's not the mac and cheese that I like. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't come from a box, dad. <laughs> Send like, it back. It's, it's too big and it's not yellow. <laughs> I'm sorry, they got pretzels. I'm some so pretzels it's good, good mac and cheese is what she's saying. <laughs> yeah, it's too fancy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you have to have very simple sides. That's good market research for me. Make mac and cheese more yellow. Just keep, just keep a couple boxes of craft back there just in case. It'll be for the kids. Man. It'll sort of come out with the kids meal. Um, so yeah, it just kept coming back to barbecue and um, also, you know, a little bit of market research in Anderson. I joke about all the chicken places, but there's, there's, at least four. You're not right the, next the, the to funny each other. part is that like you're not the only place that I've heard make that joke. We've talked about it down at Paradise, sitting behind the bar a bunch of times. Because down at that end, there's also like four or five chicken yeah. places. Like within, like you can walk out in front, look down the road, and you can just see them all dotted around. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but and there's no barbecue restaurant in Anderson. There used to be a Smoky Bones. Yep. Like over this way. Uh, I don't remember where exactly it was, but I remember it was there. And then that went out. And now there's like, which seems crazy to me that you can have a stretch of road like this without yeah. any barbecue. There's 19 different Chinese places and, you know, 37 fast food hamburgers, but mm-hmm. no barbecue. <laughs> yeah. And there was uh, Sweets and Meats was in Mount Washington. So technically not Anderson. Right. But they are closing for their to-go food to focus on their food trucks. So really... 
in this area, there's just, a, and maybe people, that's a way of people telling us don't you do can, barbecue. But you, you can probably go in Kroger and get Eli's. Sure. <laughs> go to Kroger and get a lot of things. It doesn't mean you're at a restaurant that serves that. Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying there, there, there is like, it's not that people don't like barbecue over here. I see the point you're trying to make. That's fair. Um, but yeah, so um, just kept coming back to barbecue and um, have a really great food partner. Uh, his name is Mike Georgerton, and he worked for Dan Wright at uh, Queen City Hospitality. So he helped open up Pontiac and a Holiday and a lot of Dan's restaurants with him. And so he's got the barbecue game down. And uh, so really excited to see the food menu that we roll out with him. Uh, kind of pulling it's, the strings. It's real barbecue. You don't, you know, it's not something like, uh, you know, boiled and flavored, and you know, it's you're gonna have a smoker and make actual. Yeah, barbecue. If you know everything about me, I love <laughs> boiling food and flavoring it. Same thing with beer. Well, actually, beer is good boiled, but uh, versus unboiled. But um, yes, we have a smoker out back. Um, I got to shout out the Warped Wing and Mason. They let me stage at their uh, restaurant for a day to follow their pit master around to see everything that it entails and a bomb buying the same smokers that they have. And they have a, uh, they have a mat. They have hard to think that they have a bigger space than this in Mason, but they do. Uh, and I was like, well, if that smoker can service them, like we'll be fine with that here right. for sure. Um, what about uh, kind of more on the beer side? Are there things, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about it already, about how, you know, it's not just leaning heavily into something that you hear one segment of people yelling about. It's trying to make something for everybody. Um, are there any other things that maybe you've, you've, you've learned kind of over the years that you're going to try to incorporate here um, that uh, um, maybe you've learned over the years <laughs> I'm trying to think of another way to word that <laughs> yeah so it's um it's more like on the stuff that you won't see on the back end and making sure that we're a profitable business uh, i think that is going to be a problem for a lot of breweries coming up is that um they're just not they're just running out of money and uh, that's i've learned a lot of listerman running you know how to run the business and make sure that we were profitable and profit margins and all that stuff and you probably hear me say profit more today than you have ever in my life but it's just like all the stuff i learned is more on the back end and making sure that you know we have growth opportunities for our staff and have uh making sure people we're, we're providing for people and and making sure we can keep this place going right it's uh it, it, the beer industry is just so different now than it was back then. Uh, does that make you nervous at all? Because, I mean, anytime you hear anybody talk about it or read an article, everybody's just feels like everybody's very doom and gloom and kind of yeah. just, oh, it's all going to tear itself apart. You know, that's, you know, nobody drinks beer anymore. Uh, is there any kind of nerves coming into this that maybe there's truth to that, that beer is going away? Maybe. Uh, definitely not. I'm opening a $1.4 million brewery, so it's definitely not going away. <laughs> uh, but, you know, getting away from getting away from the, you know, the forest to see it for the tree sort of thing uh, has really helped uh, reinvigorate me and kind of tune out the noise and just analyze the source of the noises and, and really think about uh, why they are saying what they're saying. You know, to say that, you know, breweries aren't a thing like I could point to 10 uber successful breweries that are doing it the right way and I can point to 10 businesses that are struggling because they're not doing it the right way. And I could point out just by spending five minutes talking to the, their their owner what they're doing wrong. Right. So it's just like, it's just how you are listening, you know, just what you're tuning into and what you're not. So, uh, and again, you know, that's why we, uh, that's one of the reasons why um, we are doing the duck. Obviously, you know, family comes first and that's a big driver, but it's also, you know, what if that's true? You know, I don't right. think it is, right? I, I really don't. But what if I'm wrong? Well, we have a couple different other re revenue streams that will provide for that. Alcohol is never going to be gone, right? right. We're going to have an amazing wine list here. We're going to have amazing bourbon list here. We're going to do slushies. So we're going to do things that are not beer that, um, you know, so if the brewery just comes to grinds to a halt because people hate beer all of a sudden, which again, is never going to happen because <laughs> I'll still drink I'll, it. I'll still be. <laughs> there we go. We got two. That's all we need. Uh, but, you know, we have all these other avenues to insulate us. And I think um, especially stepping away from uh, touching back to what you're saying, stepping away from what I've noticed from uh, when I left to where I am now is that profit was such a dirty word. 
for brewers. They, it seems, it seems that everyone has to have this, um, awesome vision for why they got into making a brewery. Idealistic kind of thing. Idealistic, like making money off selling beer is such a bad thing. Right. And, uh, I've been listening to a lot of, uh, how not to start a, start a damn brewery podcast. And I think that like that helped me a lot. Um, a, learn how people are failing to not fail um, but also be like not be afraid to talk about how much money we're making and 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 it's not like it's a, i'm not bragging about it but it's just also like you need to turn a profit like right. it does you know it's fun making beer sure but at the end of the day like i gotta feed my family and i gotta do that out of profit so well I, th- I think that for me um and this is going down a really big rabbit hole we talked about it again a little bit last week with with uh, 50 west i talked about another episode kind of fairly recently i can't remember which one but we talked about that idea of you know like if if you come into almost any business in in my opinion with making money as the first thing that's right on your mind i i don't know that you'll be as successful as if there's some other idea behind that and bobby put it brilliantly last week that's just the opportunity you know it's like it's you start a business to create opportunity for other people whatever that opportunity may be to grow within that company to just provide for their family whatever it is that has to be the driving force and like i so I agree with you that you know profit has to be talked about and it has to be this thing that 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 drives us and this especially with beer where there are so many kind of idealistic people getting into it and a lot of people that are you know working for for crackers because of that because they don't push to to to, to grow themselves because they just always like make a beer you know it's like it as as much as that's not the answer I think that there has to be that passion behind stuff with with some other idea you know that that kind of makes the profit mean something thousand percent like you you're absolutely right you just don't start a business to say you want to make profit it's hey we're starting a business i love beer i love i want to create a family space but you know at the end of the day right it's got to make money you, you have to and it's just like it's just so dirty and the, you know i've i've been in the beer world for 10 years and outside of our walls and, and a few uh management members in our own team like i've never heard anyone talk about profit which is crazy well i i, I get it too when i think you know i've run a freaking beer blog now it's obviously become a little more complicated than that but when i started the blog and i would talk to other people but i'm like how does this sustain itself long term do you make any money from it and people would laugh at me like no you can't make money from this i go well, okay, well all right <laughs> Like, how do you keep it going then? Like, how do you let it grow? How do you, how do you, you know, how are you able to put as much time into it as you really should to make it into this other thing that is the passion behind it? Like, how do you, how do you let that be a thing? And like, uh, nobody ever wants to talk about it or admit that it, it, at some point you have to, you don't have to, you can, you can sustain yourself just fine with something else, but there has to be something that makes it. And how is that business sustaining you outside of your business right. by profit? So again, it's right. not, it's not, that's not, I don't want to. The, the takeaway to be that this is why I'm doing this or right. this is the forefront of my mind or all that. But, you know, you had asked what is different from when I left to when I'm coming back. And that was just something I noticed um, over the course of time is that just nobody talks about it. And it's just like all these people are going out of business because they're uh, they're not talking about it. Do you and, do you think that. Uh, and this is, I don't know that you can actually answer this, but uh, how do you feel? <laughs> you know, do you think that more of the breweries that are opening today have a better understanding of that than maybe uh, 10 years ago when, when the breweries were opening, that, that how they understood it? I don't think so. I think that there's um, there's a lot of uh, that, that, that idealistic of, I just want to own a brewery is still very prevalent in, um, in a lot of, that's not to say that, that, you know, that don't exist, right? But right. I, I just feel that... Um, it's it's about the same you know the the urge to open a brewery is pro is not really changed for over the last 10 years i'm sure the amount of people that want to open a brewery um are still the same you know they either did it or just continue right. to think about it um but i feel like breweries as a whole have gotten a lot smarter with how they've opened and what they look like and how they feel for people and they and I can't help but think that there there has to be something else behind that. Like if you are just coming from this mindset of, oh, I just want to open a brewery, like you're just going to open a tap room in a warehouse with a couple picnic tables and be like, hey, here it is. Well, to that to that effect, <laughs> you know, this person that just wants to open a brewery has now probably been to 
you know, I use untapped just to keep track of my breweries that I've been to. And I'm up over like 500 breweries that I've been to. So it's just, um, you know, this person that wants to open a brewery will have visited 500 tap rooms. So they'll, they know, right. you, you know, that, that, um, that that's, that's just going to fail, you know, open a warehouse with tables. That's going to fail. Um, so just kind of, they know that they have to make the tap room better, but I don't think that the, the reasoning, but just because they are opening better, doesn't mean that the, the main reason is still there. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I know this is definitely, you know, going forward, going to change kind of my mindset when I'm talking to people, because this is such a, uh, such a well thought out, um, plan, like the, the, the way it's all put together makes so much sense. And, you know, I, I think back to some of the places that have done well, and you can really start to identify those different parts of it that, that create all of these different uh, components that, that that are going to make a place like this successful. And the the one one of my favorite takeaways from from working one of the things I learned from working at Listerman is how to how you know you have you have a box right and you have to make things work with that box. You know we didn't have a lot of capital behind us. We just had to kind of make things. You had to make great beer with these these inputs. Like how right. do you do that? And just the creativity to kind of come out of that box, um, using that box to kind of as your inspiration for creativity, um, because you can't travel outside of that. And that was kind of what the impetus for this space is as well, because it's already, unless I want to put a lot of money into it, it is what it is right. with the way that it's, it's spaced out. It is a big kind of open space. Um, but you know, the, the bars here, the taps are here bathrooms are here hvac and sprinklers are all here so we kind of have to it, it helps with the the whole build out cost but you kind of have to get creative with how do we get people to be able to see the brewery when the space doesn't really allow for it to be a focal point are you are you worried that some of that uh that scrappiness that you had to have at listerman uh, that maybe that's going to get lost a little bit coming into here because it is kind of so much maybe better thought out from ground from the ground up that like it, it, it takes away from that creativity Absolutely not. <laughs> I still, you know, just back then, as I do now, uh, I don't like spending money. So we're going to try to figure out, even though we have, you know, thanks to family, friends, and investors in the SBA, I do have some money. So, uh, but it doesn't mean I like to spend it. Right. Um, so still try to figure out how we can make things work within that box. Because um, we, we talked a lot about how um, everything here is all, you know, you have kind of two big chunks of money when you're opening a space. You have the stuff that people aren't going to notice and the stuff that people will notice. So stuff people aren't going to notice are the most expensive in HVAC, sprinklers, um, bathrooms. So many people notice that, but don't really notice how much it costs. And, you know, those big pieces are taken care of here. So I could have to put all that extra money into the stuff people do notice. So the more I can kind of take away from the stuff people don't notice and add to the people the stuff that people do notice that's that, that method of of still trying to be creative in that box exists in one part of the business so i can splurge on the other part right. and really make it a great place to come right I, i'm excited to see how not only like how it comes together from from my perspective as, as a drinker just wanting to come in here and, and drink a beer but like how people kind of react to it because i think that there are a lot of people that maybe and you know obviously in my world everybody that i know loves breweries that's they have to if they know me but you know if there is that are, all it takes to get to not know you okay i hate breweries bye everybody <laughs> see you later <laughs> but there are there I, there have to be a lot of people out there still that just like aren't into the whole brewery scene the way that uh, that me and my family are and like this starts to create that space that somebody can come in here and like not even realize that it's a brewery and not even understand what it, kind of that side of the business and not give two shits. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, they're welcome here all the same. I, I, I love that. I hate that. I just, I don't know how it makes me feel. Yeah. I'm the same, but you know, uh, at the end of the day that, that provides us the opportunity to do the fun stuff that the, uh, that the beer nerds right. and the beer loving people allow us that, you know, that spend all of that money on hops to buy the fancy toys to make our beer better. Right. Those people allow us that opportunity to do that. Um, and so I don't know if I mentioned this because we've been talking for a while, but um, we were looking at Anderson, uh, you know, to your point right there is that there are a lot of stuff for kids to do. 
You know, we have Wonderland in the same strip mall. We have Wonderland Academy for your kids to just go bonkers and throw themselves against walls and down slides. You got Goldfish Swim Academy. Um, you know, just name a few places in Beach on Beachmont, and those are literally like in the same strip mall. And there's a bunch of places for a bunch of great places for uh, you know parents to go. We have you know APG. Um, ATP, you know, you bar, you name it, you know, Arthur's is right here in the parking lot, right. but rarely is there a place where, uh, kids and their parents can go and do something together. Right. And that's, that was what was really important for me when, when envisioning this place. And that's why I wanted that. And, and then my, the, and ended up being the duck pen bowling, which is going to be great for us. Uh, talk about the name a little bit, Wandering Monsters. Sure. Uh, so it kind of comes from from two places. Um, it's 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 all about you know this this whole. I didn't have it from kind of the get go, but you know this whole crazy journey I've been on. So it's about kind of like life's journey and the um, and the monsters you encounter along the way if you let your imagination guide you. Um, and just kind of getting back to being creativity and, and being that. And it also is like, I play on my, my, my kids being, uh, curious little monsters and wandering all over the place. So it has like, it's a, it's a great dual, uh, meaning for my life's journey and the brewery's journey, but also for our family. I, I like that your kids are curious monsters. I always call mine like terrorizing monsters or something like that. It's a very yeah. different uh, image in my yeah. head. <laughs> Depends on the mood of the day. How many days in a row have we been together? <laughs> uh, if we can like take a step kind of back and look kind of the bigger picture of craft beer, like do you... S- do you still feel good about what is happening in craft beer in Cincinnati or... Um, it's It's... I don't know if I'm the right person to ask for this because we well, all I've got right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> my interests are so um, my, what, what my idea for what I want this brewery to be is so different than what 90% of the breweries in Cincinnati are. So I've been so hyper focused on this. You know, I, I think that if you're a new brewery opening to distribute beer, you're going to find it really tough. Right. Um, and unless you got a lot of money behind you. Um, it's just going to be, it's, you go to a shelf, where's it going? There's so many great beer from, you know, you can get other half shipped to your door. Like that's right. stupid. Uh, just stupid. Uh, and then that, let alone what you can go find, you know, more just started distributing in Ohio. Yeah, there's so many great breweries. Jay Wakefield's here. There's so many great breweries. You can just go to the store and buy. You don't have to trade for right. it anymore. And that's scary. Um, which is why we're trying not to distribute it all. Um, and then if we do to differentiate it as much as we can. Um, so if you're trying to start a distribution brewery, I'm scared for you. If you're trying to start a brewery that doesn't have a kitchen, I'm scared for you. Uh, relying on food trucks as great of an idea that sounds is never, it never works out how you think it's going to. Um, and it's just not great. Relying on a restaurant partner is better, but I'm still worried. Um, if you're opening up a, your own Little tap room. I say little when I have 12,000 square feet. Uh, if you're opening up a, a little tap room with a, a little kitchen in it, then you're going to do great. Um, you know, neighborhood brewery, um, I think is where there's infinite space for. Um, like, you know, even if, you know, paradise is a great size. Um, so something like a paradise, uh, would be, you know, I think you can, you could put, uh, paradise with the kitchen, 20 more of those in Cincinnati and be, be right. fine. But, you know, you put, uh, there's not a room for another Madry or Rheingeist. Um, I think that ship sailed with Madry. Um, but it all depends on on what you want to do. Uh, there, I think people in Cincinnati love their Cincinnati craft beer. So we have that going for us. Every every brewery that wants to launch in Cincinnati always talks about an uphill selling in Cincinnati beer. So there is that loyalty to Cincinnati. But, man, it's... Some breweries I'm really worried about and some breweries I like that. They're going to do fine. Even just kind of looking more at like the, the community side of craft beer, what it was. I mean, think back to some of those those early festival days at Listerman where it was every brewery was there. Like everybody that was making mm-hmm. beer in the city was in the same place, all hanging out together, drinking beer. You could come in as a craft beer fan and see the people that made your beer, talk to them and like that. That's different now, and I don't. I don't know if that's a bad thing, but it's it's different. Yep. And I don't know if that's a. How do you feel about kind of that side of the way things have shifted and changed? Um, yeah, it's just it's just we've all grown up, and we're all busier, infinitely busier. You know, it's just like I'm busier. I don't know that I've grown up. <laughs> uh, 
same. Uh, I mean, kids make you grow up real fast, uh, real fast. Yeah. Um, but you know, just, just using Brady and Kenny as examples, you know, they, they were, they were there. And, you know, if I did that again, they'd come and that's not to say they wouldn't come again. Um, but how many, they, how many people do they have outside of Brewery team do they have working under them? Right. None. Back then, now they have how many direct reports? Well, like, forget the brewery team. I think they were behind the bar a lot of those. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it's just like you know, we've all grown up in our in our positions. We've all been you know, our seeing our breweries successful, and we've all have way more responsibilities now. And there's just more stuff to do, and um, you know, driving. After a long, really long day of work, driving twenty minutes there, twenty minutes back doesn't really seem that uh, appealing as it once was right. uh, when you could just leave at four thirty and go grab a beer somewhere. So right. I think the camaraderie is still there. If I see anyone, anyone from Cincinnati beer walks in this door, I'm probably calling my wife and tell her I'm coming home late. Um, but I think it's just the way that, um, that we've all kind of evolved and it's just like, and uh, just people that I know, you know, this goes back to when I was looking for like a sales rep uh, before we hired John Volman. Um, you know, 2020. And I was talking to all the people that I knew that were in sales and they're all like senior sales managers that make like four times what I could pay them. So it's just like, you know, but also like four times the responsibility. So it's just, you know, we've all just kind of grown up together and just have more stuff to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. I, I, I'm curious if like the, the, the younger people that are coming into it now, if they still have that same Kind of like uh, you talk about like you know your generation of craft beer people uh, they grew up there should have been somebody that filled that gap at the mm-hmm. bottom and I don't I don't know that there is like I don't know I don't know that it's the same I mean they're they're obviously there and there's obviously some kind of camaraderie to that but I guess just it's so maybe it was just because beer not that beer was new in Cincinnati but this this craft brewing thing was was new maybe the excitement of that is probably what what built some of that too i don't know just it feels different to me not that it's bad mm-hmm. not that people are being assholes to each other or anything like that it just it feels like a more like mature developed community and i, I miss yeah. it <laughs> We got, they got beer to make. Busy. It's like I go to I go to High Grand and see Matt Uttery. He'll have time scheduled for me, and it's great. And he's just like running around doing seventeen things in the brewery. It's like right. I get it. It's just there's just so much that, especially as a brewery owner, you're trying to do. And and but I understand your point about you know the well, backfilling. Part of that is is what kind of made me fall so in love with craft beer too. And so that's kind of, that's where my mind goes with it is all right. So if that's what got me into craft beer is that feeling, is that going to make less people like really fall in love with it the same way? Do they have a different relationship with craft beer than we did because of that community changing that thing? I don't know the answer, but I, yeah. that's, that's where my mind goes with it is that I, I just think the relationship people have with their beer is very different now than it was. I think it's more, it's more refined to certain breweries versus the Cincinnati craft beer That's a scene. Good point. Um, I think again, go back to my point about you know twenty paradise size brewing opening. You know, it's all about that neighborhood brewing and having that brewery and having that connection with the brewery that's five minutes down the road versus the one that's 35 minutes away. So I think, especially because you don't have to drive 35 minutes, you can get great beer 10 minutes from your door. Um, So I think that that probably plays a little bit of part in there too. It's like you're more you're more fiercely local to a singular brewery or a couple brewery, a, cl- a cluster of breweries versus the city as a whole. Well, and you get these clusters now. You can be a craft beer drinker in Anderson now and have a little rotation of places that you go to that uh, uh, leave you a nice little rotation of places to go to and it becomes your little community within a bigger community. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good point. Um, if we can kind of back step just a little bit when we're talking about kind of uh, beer and products and things you're making, are you guys going to drift into any other product lines, you know, seltzer or uh, anything uh, like that? I've talked about wanting to do seltzer. And I'm not sure if I'm going to contract it out or uh, I think having a seltzer is important also because I like to drink them. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about your luck. Um, and so it definitely, I think a seltzer will be here um, and I would like to make it. We'll just see how the finances fall and the timelines for stuff fall. Maybe not from launch, but, you know, year two, maybe. Um and then we're going to have a very big wine selection. As, Wait, but as, you're not going to be making your own cider or anything like that? No, no. Um, I'll leave that up to the brewer to decide if he wants to do it. But it's just not uh, It's not a passion of mine to really, you know, if we 
we'll have can some great can cider, uh, or if we have taps open because we need to fill them, you know, there's a great cider that we used at Hop and Vines that I'd bring in, but I don't see um, us us doing that. Great. It's just that you know, kind of again going back to that idea that craft beer is is changing or less people are getting into craft beer like you just hear everybody talking about other things now you know seltzers and rtds and this and that and like that's kind of the hot thing and uh i'm just i'm, I'm curious to see if it really is or if that's just i think that the, that's the hot thing um yeah i think that they have that that uh beer beer sales in and this isn't a takeaway from any bigger brewery but i don't think you see a smaller a 2000 barrel brewery or less talking about rtds um, you know, it's all the bigger breweries that have, that are losing market space because of craft beer being down. They're having, you know, uh, they're not making as much beer just because of the way craft beer, you know, they're expanded markets. They're probably, Cincinnati's probably still probably holding strong, but, you know, Columbus or, you know, Cleveland or, you know, Kentucky is probably not moving as much beer as it once did because of the way the shelves are getting crowded. I, there might be something to like when you start creating spaces like this, where you have the whole family gathering in one spot, like you obviously have to have other products for those people. You have to have wine, you have to have, you know, spirits. They're, they're, at a certain point within that journey, it might get to the, what's like, well, if people are X amount of people are coming in here and ordering a, a vodka soda or whatever the hell they're drinking at the bar, uh, maybe it does make sense for us to have a product that fills that gap for them that we do make. Sure. Uh, but you know, at the same time, am I going to make a better vodka than Tito's? I, Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> the people that are walking out there and ordering a, 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 a Tito's and soda don't really care what Tito's tastes like. Yeah, that's true. They care that it doesn't taste like anything. <laughs> There's somebody that's not somebody yeah. sitting there swirling their Tito's and <laughs> this <laughs> isn't Tito's. Get a, get a little hint of wheat. I don't. I mean, know what, you'll I don't know. know what, what base you may not know it's Tito's, <laughs> but you'll know when it's bad. You'll right. know when it's, it's not a good vodka. Yeah, I've had some pretty bad vodka before, so, but you put in, you put enough stuff in there with it, and yeah, it's fine. Yeah, especially <laughs> and the uh, you know the the non distribution that I want to do, um, you, RTDs are ready to drink cocktails, right? Well, we just go to the bar, we'll make you a cocktail. Right. So it's not really anything we you kind of have to to do. We're gonna have slushies here for kind of a different take on um, an RTD, so to speak. Um, but you know, you want a cocktail, just come get one at the bar. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, especially when you're not talking, you know, distro. I think that there is still something about cans. Having a can of a cocktail, like people still like just cracking up in a can and drinking something whatever that is even if they're a cocktail drinker they still like at a bar a, no i'm saying just out oh, in sure. the world I sure that, yeah in the world when you go on the boat sure you need it or you know although maybe i don't know i heard bobby talk still. about his boat like for 30 minutes in your last <laughs> podcast it must be a really nice boat bobby uh, but so you're out on the water you know you're at your buddy's backyard doing some barbecue like sure that's the perfect spot for that but just like within this space it doesn't really I'm I'm fascinated because I, I do spend a lot of time in bars and you do still see and it's usually seltzer, um, but like those those high noons those are technically cocktails yeah. and like you see tons of people drinking them and they're just standing there with those cans and I don't know if it's the comfort of having the can if it's the billboard effect so people well, can see it's what also that it's not available I, on draft it's not, it, right. it is you know if you want that generally speaking you have to get out of can but the times that a lot of the like the bigger and then seltzer is the big one that is, I've, they've, a lot of places have tried to do seltzer on draft and it never really goes over as well as the cans do for some reason i'll let you talk about march 1st for that with that one uh well there's there's, (laughs) i still think they sell a shit ton more cans than they do the the draft but like it it, there's something about cans with people that i I can't it's different than beer people Mm -hmm. you know especially when they're in a bar they want to be drinking out of a glass but for some reason seltzer people just like it out of the can. Uh, I, I I don't know. It's it's an interesting phenomenon that I haven't really understood fully yet. Yeah. But I don't know what that has to do with you guys, but <laughs> well, I started talking about RTDs and I was like, well, we'll just make you a, a an RTD from scratch. <laughs> Here, it's ready. Yeah, handmade RTD. Ready. Drink. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want people to know about this place that you think that they don't know yet? Oh man. Um that you're ready for them to know. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, no, it's just going to be you know a great family gathering spot with with um, some stuff to do. Really excited to be in Anderson Township and 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 be a be a uh, add to the the rich um, area and businesses we have around here. And um, yeah, I think I think construction is going to kick off sometime in February, 
and hoping to be open uh, sometime in the summer. Ish. Always, always throw that ish. Ish. <laughs> ish. You'll, you'll. It's, you know, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'm sure I'm going to eat these words, but you've walked this space, but yeah. it's just like, where's the ish? There's Where, always an ish. I know, but like, <laughs> that's the thing that's going to upset me. It's like, well, this could provide a problem, right? Like you're thinking in your mind, this, this is the problem area, but it's like, here's like, where is it? the bathrooms are done the hv the sprint, like everything's done you're gonna like go to take this giant table out or something and the whole floor is gonna that's come over with it something like that there's this giant <laughs> table that runs through the middle of this space that's been here since o'neill's and it's bolted to the ground and it's it's coming out oh, come hell or high water but the the building might fall down if i do take it out there's uh, a second one too if people want the latest in updates on uh construction and how things are going in time frames just follow on social media uh facebook instagram you guys on the the twitter machine or anything like that no not, um, not on twitter f- facebook instagram uh, yep um, and then our our website wandering monsters beer has a newsletter sign up for it um, so we're going to do some fun stuff with that um we're going to kind of involve the public with barrel picks when we're trying to pick a barrels and what we're going to do we're going to randomly fun. select newsletters or newsletter readers um to come in and with with our brew team i almost said his name but i stopped myself <laughs> <laughs> or her name i guess it's 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 a him i would have uh, had to believe it <laughs> yeah um to kind of sit down and, and talk about the barrels and and uh, just kind of give a unique experience with that so and we're also going to you know maybe something else we're, we're going to be doing private barrels too if a group or something wants to buy a whole barrel we're going to be doing that for them if they if they so choose that's i think cool that's stuff. a really cool thing that uh, i've been wanting to offer for a long time so that's awesome i i'm like i said i'm excited to see how this all comes together i'm so excited to see how people kind of react to it on on both sides of the coin the nerds and then the people who uh, have no idea anything about a brewery <laughs> i think it's going to be this perfect space for both of those kind of groups to gather so um people want to know more just follow uh i'll, I'll keep you guys up to date on the gnarlygnome.com too of course uh yeah that's where you should check first <laughs> sometimes i might even have things first before they're supposed to be out there <laughs> i won't that, that never happens right? i won't do that <laughs> uh thank you guys for listening if you don't subscribe already do that subscribe to the show um if you want to support go to the gnarlygnome.com slash support um that helps a lot too and uh, uh, thank you for for listening we'll we'll be back next week Uh, I'm not going to tell you what's on next week because I have not finalized it and I don't know for sure if we're going to do it so it'll be good whatever it is (laughs) we'll be back Sensi Brewcast it's the voice of Sensi Craft